You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Bling runs some $2.3 billion annually in the state of Alabama. Click TuscaloosaThread.com for more local news throughout the day. It's free. Don Hartley Townsquare Media, Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this Wednesday, February 14, 2024. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Hope you and your significant other have a big night planned, or maybe you're going to do it over the weekend, or however you plan on celebrating Valentine's Day. <coughs> Hope it goes goes well and uh, is memorable for you. Welcome into the program. I'm Gary Harris. Justin Jones is right there on the other side of the glass. First to Main Condos hotline is open for business at 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904, and we've got a good show on tap for you today that I'll run down here in just a second. First, though, I need to tell you, as always, this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. I encourage you to find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, here is the lineup for today. At 9.30, Matt Coulter on NASCAR is going to be with us. And he will be uh, breaking it all down as we are now... Just a little more than, well, about a week and a half (coughs) away from the Daytona 500, which is set for, well, I take that back. Let me get myself straight. I'm not feeling well, as you know. (coughs) And uh, because of not feeling well um, and my voice not being up to par again, it's causing me not to be quite as alert as I normally am. The Daytona 500 is this Sunday. I'm a week behind. It is this Sunday, so we will break it down full speed ahead and have our predictions as well. <coughs> Last week, we had Matt on, and we didn't make our predictions because we were waiting for this week. But the Daytona 500 is coming up this Sunday at Daytona International Speedway, so Matt Coulter and I will preview it and to have our race selections coming up at 9.30. Then at 10.30, we've got uh, a great guest, as always, Bart Heitz on hoops, breaking down SEC basketball, last night's games, tonight's games, and, of course, looking ahead to this weekend with Alabama and Texas A&M on Saturday. So that's the guest list for today, 205-342-9904 is the number on the first and main condos hotline if you want to give us a call. SEC basketball last night, and uh, wow, nobody I think saw this one coming, but that's <coughs> the nature of conference basketball when you've got um, two teams playing, you never know what's going to happen, and Vanderbilt on a buzzer beater 
knocked off Texas A&M, 74-73. That's probably not a good thing for Alabama, to be honest with you. Even though Alabama's better than A&M and should win the game, A&M will be on a heightened alert. That's what happens when you lose a game like that. It's a costly loss for A&M, who was trending in the right direction after knocking off Tennessee this past Saturday. But they go into Nashville and lose to a Vanderbilt team whose only win in conference play came against Missouri, who is winless in conference play. <clears throat> so Vanderbilt came in 1-9 and nine in the league and 6-17 and 17 overall, and they knock off A&M on that, on that buzzer beater, 74-73. And it was a close game the whole way. Could have gone either way. But Vanderbilt, uh, the kid got the ball tipped. A lot of people thought it might have been a, a travel. He went up, got it tipped, caught it <clears throat> on the way back down, and went back up and shot it and knocked it in. And big, big win. Florida holds off LSU, and I mean literally holds off LSU. <coughs> LSU had a chance to uh, win that game at the end, or at least force overtime. But Florida hangs on, coming off the win against Auburn. They get a home win against LSU, 82-80. to And Kentucky got a badly needed win at home over Ole Miss, 75-63. to News that um, broke yesterday. From Matt Zinitz of 24-7 Sports um, with Nick Sheridan expected to be named <coughs> the offensive coordinator and play caller for Alabama football with Ryan Grubb leaving to go to the Seattle Seahawks. Nick Sheridan is ready to slide into that post, 35 years old, former Michigan quarterback, coached a lot of different places, including in the last two years as the tight ends coach at Washington with Kalen DeBoer. And um, he's now going to get a crack here as the offense coordinator at Alabama. Big, big opportunity for him. Offensive line coach, we don't know. I imagine Coach DeBoer is not going to be in any hurry, although he's got to get somebody in here, obviously, before spring. But uh, he wants to make sure he makes the right call there. Scott Uff, who <coughs> was the... Uh, head coach or the offensive line coach that led Washington to the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line this past year. He's going back to Seattle as well to coach with the Seahawks. So uh, interesting stuff there. All right, let's jump out on the first of main condos hotline, and we've got Tom ready to lead us off this morning. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Gary. Uh, how are you this morning? I already know I've heard you. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to go back to the doctor. I can't. I can't let this thing um, morph into what happened to me. You know, back in 2016 when I had to have. Uh, no. You know the vocal cord I'm surgery. Praying, so I probably don't dog. need to be on the radio talking two hours every morning. To be honest with you, right now, but um, you know, I did do the I did do the lemon and and uh, honey and and warm water this morning before I came in. So hopefully my voice will settle down a little bit. Yeah, I hope it helps. So uh, I'm sorry that you're having such a struggle with uh, with your throat. Uh, I really am. I'm gonna I'm gonna say some prayers for you, and uh, and pray that you'll get well. Well, I appreciate that, Tom. I really do. Oh, uh, I've got questions though, I, and you know I hadn't really thought about. It. I kind of ran through uh, the Daytona schedule in the paper and uh, trying to get a feel for what was going to be going on and when. But I kind of want to review what I read with you and see what you uh, 
what you say about it. Now, my understanding is that uh, that the Twins will be run tomorrow night. Is that correct? Yeah, it's usually run on on Thursday night, and uh, so that should be. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm going to have Matt on at 930, and we're going to break it all down, but I have not really jumped into my NASCAR prep the way I normally would. Just because, like I said, of the way I've been, the way I've been feeling. But um, let me try to pull it up here. And <laughs> also, I'm thinking that uh, uh, the the I, I still call it the bullish, but it, I think it's uh, uh, is it Xfinity? Is that what the Bush series is called now? You've got um, the dual. Races coming up tonight, uh, tomorrow night. That's right. <coughs> Seven o'clock Cup Series dual race one. Eight forty-five Cup Series dual race two. So that's um, set for tomorrow night, and then Friday you've got the um, practices going on all day. Garage open for that, and then uh, on track on Friday. You've got uh, Xfinity Series practice, Cup Series practice, and then 7.30 Friday night, you've got the Truck Series race. And then on Saturday, you've got um, the Arca Menard Series race at 1.30 and the Xfinity race at 5.30. And then, of course, Sunday, you've got the Daytona 500. So, yeah, you've got <coughs> nonstop activity over the next several days. Every every group that races uh, under NASCAR is going to run this weekend. Uh, the Xfinity and the trucks and and everybody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, so, uh, and the twins that run tomorrow night, uh, the winner of each one of those is uh, inside outside qualifying pole, right? Say that again. I, the, the the first two uh, are the only positions that the twins qualify. Everybody else that doesn't win has to go back and go through the, uh, qualifying like they normally do. <clears throat> that's the way it's been in the past. So I um, I assume that's the way. Like I said, I'm not as quiet up on it as I should be. That's why I'm going to have Matt on at 930 to break it all down. But I'm not uh, 100% positive, to be honest with you. I got you. All right. All right, y'all. I, I was uh, I was just kind of thinking out loud on some of it to kind of get a feel for it. Of course, my guy uh, Blaney, I'm, I'm hoping he does not win the poll, and uh, and so he does better if he's like in sixth or seventh, like that, and and uh, has to strategize all afternoon. He does a lot better when he does that, don't you think? You know. Um... I'll take your word for it. I mean, I think everybody that races wants to start as close to the front as they can, but I do think there are some drivers that do better coming from, you know, somewhere in the back. So, uh, but, you know, if he can win one of those twin qualifiers, I know he's going to do it. He's going to try to win it. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and it still pays money. And that, you know, I'm sure that money will go toward, uh, entertaining the crew and all that kind of stuff. Well, he's the defending champion, so um, 
series champion. So he's one of the guys that everybody's going to be paying close attention to. And, and Ryan Blaney's gone from a talented racer um, and one of those guys that's fan favorite to now um, <clears throat> one of the best. Once you win a championship, you're you're considered one of the best. So he's uh, elevated his status, and now he's going to try to win two in a row, which uh, – as I've said, you know, you can only win two in a row if you win one in a row. Nobody else has a chance to win two in a row, but Ryan Blaney does. So it'll be interesting to track him this year. Is that right? That's you right. You can't win them all if you don't win the first one. That's right. That's right. All right, Gary, I'm going to let you go. You don't feel well. Thank you, Tom. Well, I mean, that's not your problem. Uh, I just uh, – it's it's I'm just concerned because I've had these voice issues before. And um, as I said, I probably don't need to be in here talking two hours on the radio. But, you know, we're going to try to get through it before we get to the break. Let's get to Roland over in Gunnersville. Good morning, Roland. Hey, Gary. Uh, you know, Gary, I love college football and I love recruiting and I enjoy listening to Bone and, you know, and uh, uh, the other guys you have on uh Rodney, you know, but it's got where it's just no fun, you know, like it used to be, you know, because, you know, you, you'll even ask these guys, you know, well, I don't know, and the, you know, people buying players, I, it ain't, you know, you don't know where they're going to go now. And it leads me to, you know, you know, people say, well, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Why can't you? I mean, the NCAA is an organization. Why can't they get all the, you know, presidents or whatever, they need to be together and say, this is what it's going to be. We're going to give scholarships to players. They're going to, uh, you know, if they want to come play for a scholarship, they can. If that five-star wants to go go set, uh, train for two years and go to the pros, go for it. But we're going to give scholarships. We're going to, you know, uh, uh, we're going to have our organization the way we want it. Uh, they can get NIL, you know, have NIL uh, properly done instead of, you know, people paying big bucks for, you know, players and all that. And, you know, just, you know, I don't understand why, you know, they say you can't put it back in the bottle, you know, and, 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 and why can't they on this portal deal? I mean, all these portal openings during the year is crazy. And, and like when a team loses a coach, having, having the players be able to leave for a whole month. That's just ridiculous. So why can't the genie be put back in the bottle? Well, there be legal challenges for one thing, uh, Roland, in that uh, now that the precedent has been set, um, it it you know it would be nice if they could just say, hey, these are the the rules and the restrictions that we're going to put in place. But really, they can't right now because there's first of all, who's going to do it? Um, the I NCAA, mean, I got a feeling- huh? I got a feeling that these guys that's come out of high school, uh, you know, they would still go to college, these five stars. You know, if you said this is what it's going to be, you know, if you want the scholarship, great. If you don't, go train for two years, then go. go yeah, the, the, the problem, though, Roland, is that um, they're not they're, – that's not the rules. The rules are that they can be compensated. So, like you said, unless there's some way the rules are changed um, – they're not going to play for just a scholarship. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's not what they're looking for. I mean, they're looking for money. You know, and you're definitely getting... not. Well, then what what it was supposed to be? Uh, and I deal with and I set up to pay players to go to university. And I was uh, put in place for the players to be able to 
profit from their name, image, and likeness deal, not not to give you a million dollars to go to Texas A&M or Tennessee or wherever it might be. Ideally, yeah, that's that's what it was it was set up for. But as I said on this show numerous times, and a lot of other people I think realized it as well, is that. Um, that was not what it was going to be. I mean, as soon as this was opened up to pay players, it was going to be a pay-for-play scheme. I agree with you. That's not what name, image, and likeness is supposed to be about. But as soon as you open the door to pay players, there were going to be schools that were going to do it to get players in here. Like I said at the time, it was a pay-for-play scheme, and that's what these collectives were designed for, and that's what we've seen in recruiting, and that's what we're seeing now. And unfortunately, um, that's what we're going to continue to see until, like you said, there's something that's put in place. But right now, there's no signs of of that happening. Uh, there's there's no signs that anyone has a plan or has the ability to implement a plan to put some restrictions on this earning potential for these players. So in the meantime, we've got what we've got, which is players demanding and getting money to play college football. Okay, Larry, I'm gonna, uh, uh, Gary, I'm going to keep you because you, you sound, you know, rough and all that with your voice. And I just hope that you get to feeling better. And uh, we'll talk to you next day or two. Thank you, Roland. Appreciate that. Good. Find a store or switch suavemente at totalbyverizon.com. Monthly rate when you activate without a pay, plus taxes and fees. Discount begins the month after you enroll. Additional terms apply. See website for data management practices. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and 3 special. The event will feature a non-competitive three-mile walk and a survivor's pathway. To register and to get more details, log on to TuscaloosaHeartWalk.org. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays dry today with a sunny sky, the high 64. Clear tonight, the low 39. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high at 67. Friday, increasingly cloudy. We'll have a chance of rain by Friday night, the high at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 922, welcome back into The Gary Harris Show. Let's jump back out on the First Domain Condos hotline. And that's where we find Mike down in Opelika. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Gary. Hey, I wanted to let you know I got back Monday from the waste management uh, tournament, and let me tell you that that was crazy. That's as crazy as atmosphere as I've ever seen. College football, anything. Um, but they had they let that whole tournament just get way, way out of control. But it was just a well, wild. Well, I'm interested in hearing more because that's that was my perception <clears throat> watching on TV. What what happened that that they kind of lost the the feel for it? You know, in the past they've had some rowdiness, but but not was it a combination of the weather and the amount of people, or you know, go into detail on exactly what you observed that led you to believe that it was just out of control. Well, the, the problem, and they they probably couldn't. See it. Their main 
three main parking areas that they were going to shuttle people in were three football fields. Well, it rained so much Wednesday and Thursday, it flooded those, so you couldn't park there. So then they really didn't have a good backup plan, so they were telling people, you know, go to this. We had showed up and went to one that uh, even before we left, you know, everybody was like, hey, go here and shuttle. Well, we went there, and the line to get on the bus was probably a half a mile long, and there were no buses in sight. So I was like, forget this. So we just drove toward the course and found a place about an hour, about a mile away, and we paid and parked and walked. And they were saying people on those buses, it was taking them two, two hours to get on a bus, and then it was a 45-minute drive, and I think by the immediately. And uh, it was just crazy. I mean, was insane, 17 was crazy, 16, so we started on the front nine and would just follow the players along that. But I've never seen so many people just passed out, falling down drunk, and it was just crazy. People were sliding down the hills and the mud, and it was just, it was nuts. And I know the players kind of like that atmosphere on the 16th. But, you know, they kind of invited it in a way, but when it started spreading all over the course, it was crazy. What well, do you think that's going to force the PGA Tour's hand to make some changes before next year's Waste Management Open? Oh, I do. I, I think they're going to have to. And I don't know. We got there early Saturday, and... Um, we got in, you know, we had a little bit of a wait, but apparently after we got in, they must have either quit scanning people, but it just, I, I mean, I guess there's probably 200, 250,000 people uh, there on Saturday, and they had said that they had quit scanning, and we were seeing people jumping over uh, house fence, private home fences, trying to get in. Because they had just they closed the gates up, and um, you know I don't know what they're going to do about that. Because they had you know several that had paid, but you know you've got all those luxury boxes, and those sponsors give out tickets, and I don't know if they monitor or they take in all of that. But someone dropped the ball. But yeah, I think next year they're going to have to do something. Wow. Yeah, what started out with good intentions, that's, uh, you know, that's the old saying. You give people an inch and they'll take a mile, and that's what's kind of happened. You know, it's one thing to understand that this is the People's Open, and it started with 16 being the one hole where people were kind of allowed to take liberties, but now you've got players getting into it with fans, and as you said, just people passed out, um, urinating in public, and this is a this is a golf tournament, you know, and um, we'll see what what they do before next year's event. But I bet you that there are some changes made because um, this kind of went past the went over the line a little bit. Oh yeah, they're gonna have to. And I don't know. We got there 
Wednesday, right when they canceled the program because it started hailing and everything. So I didn't get to see Coach Stanton, but it made no sense. They didn't pair him with Justin Thomas. In fact, Justin Thomas played in the foursome behind Coach hmm. Saban. And I didn't, I thought that was kind of stupid of whoever scheduled it. You would think they would have played together. <coughs> yeah, you would from a. Uh entertainment standpoint you do so but like i said too the weather did not help as you pointed out being out there it caused a, <clears throat> a lot of problems and um you know just um it was just a perfect storm pardon the pun for for it to get out of hand and it did and um of course you don't count on the weather being like that in arizona and same thing with pebble beach the week before you know you're on that west coast swing you're expecting to be sitting back east, you know, with rain and snow and cold and watching golf on TV, and it's nice and warm and sunny, and that just wasn't the case. <clears throat> but hopefully everything's good at Riviera um, and that the tournament, um, you know. The- they said it was in the high 70s, and it's in the high 70s this week, but it was just last week. It was just bad timing, but it was good. We did follow Bud Colley for a while, and he was playing really well until he made that, you know, decision to hit that left-handed, you know. That made, no, that made no sense. That made no sense to me. Why wouldn't you, rather than try that shot, and I, and I love Bud, and <clears throat> great to see him back out there, and like you said, playing well, but he had no shot trying to hit a one-handed, left-handed shot. Why wouldn't you just straddle the ball and take your putter or a wedge and just either put it back between your legs or chip it back between your legs just to give enough room. Then you're really slaying two, and you try to, you know, you try to hit your third shot in there close and save par. I don't I didn't understand what he was trying to do there. That the odds of pulling that shot off were about one in a hundred. And if he just literally <coughs> is able to hit the ball back behind him. Even four or five feet, it gives him a a shot. You know what I'm saying? I, I never understood his strategy there. Did you, Mike? No. I didn't either, and I was pulling for him. And, you know, he he had a good showing. And then, but that just killed him uh, when he did that. But um, anyway, I enjoy your show, Gary. I hope you get to feeling better. And um, I'll... That's right from your employer dashboard. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgage back guarantee. Text support to 511-511. Morning kick. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tax fees may apply. Need to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel for exclusive content on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes. The flags go up. Churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Burning fast on an empty tank 
Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent. All right, 934, welcome back in. And it's time for Matt Coulter on NASCAR. <laughs> we get to preview and make our picks for the Daytona 500 coming up Sunday. And, of course, as we've talked about already, you got the twin duels coming up tomorrow night, truck racing, Xfinity racing, a whole uh, just bevy of races and tons of activity coming up over the next several days. And Matt is in to break it down for us. Good morning, Matt. Gary, how you feeling? I sense you still have your little cough. I'll yeah, I can't shake it, and it's got me concerned because of what I went through several years back with my voice so i'm going to try to get back into the doctor uh after this radio show because i've this has got you know what i do for a living this is uh this is awful so well my prayers are with you my man appreciate it appreciate it all right we got we got a lot to talk about um Everything from paint schemes uh, for the cars and, and the race itself on Sunday to how important are the twin qualifiers to just uh, the whole week. So let's start because Tom already called in this morning. And I told him, to be honest with you, as, as the way I've been feeling, I have not prepped as much for the uh, Daytona 500 as I normally would. But the qualifying, the only two spots that are set in those twin qualifiers are the first and second spots, right? Yeah, and they qualify today. So today so, is regular qualifying, okay. Unless, you know, something happens to the car and one of the twins, then they could actually end up in the back. But, yeah, they'll set the front row today, no question. When you look at those races tomorrow night, how important are they for the drivers and the teams? Uh, you know, in years of, which by the way, just quick footnote, boy, do I miss speed weeks and being down there. I was fortunate enough to do that, cover everything from the clash of the Daytona that 500 in that week. And it was just really, really good. Yeah. You did that for but, years. Yeah. I did it for 10, 10 or 11 straight years when I was with channel 13, but, um, to the really big, big teams, you know, it's uh, it's important, and you want to try and fill your race car out, get dancing partners, figure out your manufacturers and how you can <coughs> run together. And also, you know, if folks don't know, they set the first row, as we just talked about, one and two, and then the rest of the field is decided by the twins, the duels, I think as it is now called, tomorrow night, which is fantastic. It's on FS1, one of my favorite things. Then they run the two races, and then as you finish in that race, you will start in the Daytona 500. So it means a lot to the mid-level and to the teams that are fielding, you know, just one car because that's your shot to make it. And running 12th and 13th can be just absolutely critical when it comes to getting your car into the Daytona 500. So. It's a lot of fun, and the strategy and the head games that go on tomorrow night are really worth taking a minute to watch. Yeah, it'll be interesting, to say the least. For the race itself, if you're a top driver, you feel like that your resume is not complete without a Daytona 500 championship, although there have been some great drivers that didn't win it. And winning a, winning a series championship, I still think, is the ultimate for these drivers. You're a champion. But the Daytona 500 is the Super Bowl of NASCAR. And if you win it, even if you are one of these guys, and we've seen this happen, 
that doesn't do much throughout the rest of his career, he's always a Daytona 500. It's kind of like being a, a Masters champion or or even like we said in the NFL that you know that one team that has that one great year and wins a Super Bowl and then you know you don't hear from them for 10 years but they're still Super Bowl champs. Um how important is this race in terms of a driver's status and career particularly the top drivers that um haven't won it. How how motivated do you think they are to get this victory? Very. You remember how long it took Daryl Walter seventeen races to finally get to victory lane. And the struggles were even greater for Dale Earnhardt Sr. It took him, I think, close to twenty to win it. And he was so close leading the last laps and several times to Daytona five hundred. And then just the worst bad luck <laughs> of the world would happen to the three car. So especially to icons like that who went so long without winning it. It was huge. But I was watching the other day, and Dale Earnhardt Sr. Jr. was given commentary, and he just, during the course of the race at the very end, he said, very similar to what you just stated eloquently, I might add, Gary, is that you will always be known as the Daytona 500 winner. When, when you get introduced, they'll say Daytona 500 winner probably before they say if you won a championship. But it is the absolute pinnacle of a single race in the NASCAR season. And if you hadn't won it and you had a lot of success, then your desire to win this is absolutely burning. Just as it is to win a championship, though, I think with a guy like Denny Hamlin. Yeah, no By doubt. The way, He's won, a, he's won three Daytona 500s, so, but no championship. Yeah. So that's right. Ideally, you want them both. Ideally, you want to win the 500 and you want to be a, a series champion. Uh, but, you know, getting one of the two is is pretty good. And, of course, if you don't get either, um, you know, it's hard to be considered a lead out there uh, as a NASCAR driver. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and get to our picks. And... Uh, Jeff Payton will be tracking him as he always does. Since Thank you're my you, guest, I'm going to let you lead off, and then next week I'll pick first, and you know we'll rotate from here on out. But I'm going to give you first crack at it. Who do you like on Sunday? Oh, I'm going back and forth on two drivers, and I guarantee you, well, I don't guarantee it, but I guess I'm going to take one. I'll bet you take the other, but we'll let that play out. Um, not that the success, at the clash has anything to do with going from a quarter mile track to a two and a half mile <coughs> oval, but he's won it. He's done it. He's a, one of the top three or four drivers out there. I'm going to go with real chalk, go with Denny Hamlin. See if he can't pick up his fourth here. <coughs> yeah. I like that pick. I think he's, he's uh, going to be in fine form. And as you said, he's got a nice track record in this race. Um, I've looked it over, and um, you know, I'm tempted to pick one of the Penske drivers because uh, you know Ford runs so well on these big tracks. But I've already said for the record that I think Chase Elliott is going to have a bounce-back season. I just think he's too good. I think that team's too good. I think last year was an anomaly. It was, it's you know, really inexplicable, all that happened to them. And... Um, 
you know, seeing his best buddy Ryan Blaney win the championship, I think was <coughs> great for for Chase, but I think it also probably lit a fire under him to come back. And what better way to make a statement that you're back than by winning the Daytona 500? So I'm going to take Chase Elliott. That's a good pick, too. When I was watching the replay of last year's race, I thought, you know what? I wonder if he could just come out of the chute and win the Daytona 500. So that's a good pick. My other guy would have probably been Joey Logano, and I know you would have thought him. You would have considered him, too. Oh, yeah. I, I think yeah, all, all three of the Penske drivers, uh, Cindric, Blaney, <coughs> and Logano, are, are going to be right there, or at least one of them will be. Let's talk about paint schemes um, because this is um, – I'm, I'm going through all the different cars right now, and um, I haven't seen anything that really um, – I do like the Sunny D paint scheme on the four. Yeah, the uh, Josh Berry car. It's, uh, for those that don't know, Kevin Harvick's out. Kevin yeah. Harvick's not out in the booth. And um, – yeah, it's very Florida-ish, if, if that's a word. Yeah, it is. And uh, I like uh, Corey LaJoy in the seven with the Chili's Cacharita Chevrolet paint scheme. I think that's pretty effective. And then some are just their traditional um, paint schemes. The 22's traditional. Um, Bubba Wallace driving the McDonald's <coughs> 23. It's um, it's a little bit different. I mean, it doesn't. It says McDonald's, but and it's got the colors, but it doesn't really. There's no arches or anything that that um, you know sticks out. So for the most part, um, I don't know. Tyler Reddick driving the number forty five nasty beast Toyota hard T. <laughs> that's a pretty catchy uh, paint scheme, and nasty beast is pretty uh, pretty good uh, name, I think, for a race car. Uh, yeah, I hadn't seen a lot of them. The one I did see is the one you brought up, and that was uh, Josh Berry's number four. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, like you said, very Florida. Uh, Sunny D, and it's bright and cheerful. And um, how do you think he'll do in driving, driving the four? Well, he got a lot of experience last year thanks to, uh, thanks to Chase Elliott's ups and downs. So he knows the tracks. Uh, how do you put this play? He's done Kevin Harvick, though. I mean, that's awful big shoes to try and fill. Yeah. Uh, but on the other side, he's got Stuart Haas. Stuart Haas <coughs> is winning the races. So I don't know. I'll ask you, do you think he'll win a race this year? You talking about uh, Barry? Yeah, I'm talking Josh Barry in the old Harvick car. I just don't know. Yeah, you know, Harvick struggled to win last year, although he had some couple of second place finishes, which were dynamite. But mm-hmm. uh, I just don't know if Josh Berry's going to walk in there and, and go to Victory Lane. But yeah, uh, my 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 gut instinct would be that he won't. Uh, yeah, you know, again, and I, you know, he'll probably prove me wrong. But yeah, I don't look at Josh Berry and the four and look at them as as a serious. Uh, championship contender, and to be a serious championship contender, you're probably going to have to win some races. So, but you know what, he uh, he might might prove me wrong. So, we'll see. 
All right, you've well, got. Well, he's a young driver. And let me tell you something. If they're going to put you in that four car, they got to believe you can get it around the track. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. So you've got uh, Hamlin, and I've got Elliott. And um, that means that probably it'll be somebody else that wins. And, you know, it could be one of those classic uh, underdog stories. We've seen it before at Daytona. If you had to pick a long shot, you know, outside of Harvick uh, or Harvick, uh, as outside of Hamlin as your winner, who, who's somebody that maybe you say keep an eye on that doesn't have the cachet or uh, the resume of a top driver that you think might be a factor at Daytona? Oh, man, that's a good question. No prep for this one. Uh, let me just throw out one of the rookies of the year I think you need to watch, and you've been watching him in some of the preliminary series, but uh, there's a guy named Cass Grala that's going to make some noise in NASCAR. He's running full-time this year. He'll be a rookie of the year, year candidate just like Josh Berry. So uh, if I had time to think about it, I'd come up with a better answer. But I was just reading a story about him, so I'm going to say Kaz Grala. What about you? Well, I'm, I'm thinking too, and, <clears throat> you know, the problem is do you take a true long shot or is there somebody that – because, you know, I, I think Chris Busher is a guy that has a chance to win Good. this race, but I don't know that you could call him at this point with what he did last year in the 17, call him a long shot. You know what I mean? He ran real well here last year. And, uh, yeah, he won three races last yeah, year. Yeah, so it's kind of kind of hard. Yeah, I, I think that's – it's not a long shot, but it's a good pick. How about that? Yeah, all right. and But I tell you what, to take a true long shot, and I'll just throw it out there because of the name. I have no idea if this this car can even compete. But, you know, the Gilland racing name is, is well known. So what about Todd Gilland and the number 38 generator Ford? Uh, you're right. Here's somebody else that I was just looking at the uh, entry list. Jimmy Johnson. How could you ever even consider him a long shot in anything? I think now you could. I actually think that's a very interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because he is running in the race. I think based on where he's at right now, yeah, I think he's a long shot. But he's still Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, he knows how to get to victory lane there. So. Yeah, what's his uh, what's his car number? Eighty. He'll be eighty four. He just flips the four and the eight. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, he's, he's the one to certainly watch. He's just another one of the great storylines that's taking place this week in Daytona. Yeah, he's still he's still Jimmy Johnson, so let's keep an eye on it. Well, it's going to be fun. going to be another fun year, Matt. And um, yeah, <clears throat> can't wait for Sunday. And, of course, a lot of racing uh, leading up to that point, as you said, with the speed weeks. And then next, uh, next Wednesday we'll start – our competition and see if one of us uh, came up a winner. It'll be, it'll be fun. Jeff Payton's already texted me, so he's tracking it. Next week, I'll pick first. Well, all right. Uh, Gary, first, before I let you go, take care of your throat. And secondly, I know you don't mind if I say this, but uh, my thoughts and prayers are out with Kip Tyner and his family um, with what happened to his brother. I guess it was yesterday. Or yeah, the day well, let me go ahead since since you brought it up so people will know the context of what we're talking about if they don't already. Uh, City Councilman um, Kip Tyner, of course, longtime TV personality in Tuscaloosa. His younger brother 
was uh, hit by a car early yesterday morning and passed away. So I, I, I second that. I texted, uh, uh, reached out to Kip on social media, but we uh, we certainly are, have him and his mom and our, and our thoughts and prayers, and that's tragic. Yes, it is. Kip and I are dear friends. We've known each other coming up on 50 years. We worked at the old TBC together. Back when there was Dave Baird and Tom Stipe and James Spann, um, Kip's as fine a man as I know, and my prayers are out to him and his family. Thanks for letting me say so, Gary. Take care of your throat. Thank you, Matt. All right, 9.50 here on the Gary Harris Show. If you want to get fit, you need a place to do it. I know some people say, well, you can work out at home. You can work out outside, and you can. But at the same time... um, if you've got a place to go with a community of people who are also like-minded and want to get fit, it helps you out. That's what you get at the YMCA, YMCA of Tuscaloosa. You get an outstanding facility with a great community of people, similar goals. You'll love the atmosphere. You'll love the folks. They've got personal training. They've got fitness classes. They've got a silver sneakers program for seniors. Uh, everything you need is at the Y. Pulling them off. 24-7 U.S.-based customer service. It pays to discover. Limitations apply. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hours for better living at First and Main. Visit firstandmaincondos.com or call 205-657-7465. Mention you heard about us on the radio and receive one month free Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays dry today with a sunny sky, the high 64. Clear tonight, the low 39. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high at 67. Friday, increasingly cloudy. We'll have a chance of rain by Friday night, the high at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Nine fifty-four here on the Gary Harris Show. And some breaking news. And we also got an app message about this. And again, a reminder to download the app. But I think Anthony Dasher from UGASports.com was the first to report this, but a number of other media outlets now over in Georgia and nationally reporting that Scott Cochran, the longtime University of Alabama strength and conditioning coach who joined Kirby Smart's staff back in 2020, is no longer part of the University of Georgia football program. That's um, according to Anthony Dasher from UGA Sports. Cochran, as I mentioned, joined Kirby's staff in 2020 as the Bulldogs special team coordinator after 13 years as the head strength and conditioning coach for Nick Saban at Alabama, where he was a part of six national championships. At Georgia, he served as an on-the-field assistant before Smart announced in August of 2021 that Cochran was stepping away from the program to prioritize his mental health and well-being. 
Cochran would maintain his title as special teams coordinator, but after returning to Georgia, remain in an off-the-field capacity. And now uh, he is out completely, according to reports. And also um, one of the reports that's out there said that his, uh, his office was cleaned out this morning. So, Justin, there'll be a lot of rumors, obviously, because Cochran's connection to Alabama. I do not foresee him um, rejoining Alabama. Who knows? Uh, but uh, David Ballou is the head strength and conditioning coach. Uh, coach DeBoer retained him <coughs> and is, you know, familiar with him, having both worked at Indiana together. I don't see an on-the-field capacity for Scott Cochran, so I know there'll be a lot of fans that want to chat about that and discuss it, but I don't know where Scott Cochran will wind up, but my guess is it won't be at Alabama. Yeah, I mean, we know the importance that Scott Cochran played to the earlier teams in uh, national championships in Nick Saban's tenure. And uh, Wildman on the app, I guess, is going to be the first of those fans to start speculating, uh, talking about bringing him on as a special teams coordinator. That's kind of the role he held in Georgia. But I, I might be with you, Gary. I'm not sure there's room for him on uh, Coach DeBoer's staff. <laughs> well, plus, I mean, the connections that he had here uh, were with Nick Saban and um, – you know, like I said, anything in the coaching business is possible, but not would be, you know, would not be something that I would expect to happen, but we'll keep an eye on it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the first hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. Find out more at alabamacu.com. We'll be back with hour number two right here on The Gary Harris Show. Twenty-seven seventy-eight per one thousand finance, regardless of down payment amount, with approved credit through HMF. Not all buyers will qualify. See dealer for full details. Expires two twenty-nine twenty-four. Since two thousand and eleven, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high definition televisions, both dining rooms at the bar and outside so you can take on your day start your day with nature made the number one pharmacist recommended vitamin and supplement brand based on a survey of pharmacists who recommend branded vitamins and supplements wtbc tuscaloosa and w265 cg tuscaloosa a town square media station tide 100.9 and streaming on the tide 100.9 app from the fox sports studios in los angeles Here's Nick Cope. LeBron James to the Warriors? Golden State asked about it prior to last week's trade deadline, according to a report from ESPN. Warriors owner Joe Lacob reportedly reached out to Lakers owner Jeannie Buss, as well as James's agent, but neither party was interested in exploring a trade. Finals in the NBA from Tuesday. Celtics beat the Nets 118-110, a 41-point effort from Jason Tatum. Boston with the best record in the league. They improved to 42-12. Minnesota is the best in the West. The Timberwolves topped the Blazers 121-109 as Anthony Edwards had 41. Minnesota now at 38-16. Thunder just a game back of them. OKC handled the Magic 120. Oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high-mileage oil to help it go farther. Right here 
at AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Now, this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. ECRU Hookah Lounge on 69 South no longer has a business license after being revoked by the Tuscaloosa City Council in the wake of a fatal beating and shooting of a patron by a mileage-employed security guard. The atmosphere was tense at a public meeting at the Open Water Works. Customers in the Walker County town as well as extreme northern Tuscaloosa County and East Fayette County complained about a water outage during the recent sub-freezing weather. And the quarterly Tuscaloosa VA Medical Center Veterans Benefits Town Hall set for tomorrow, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Building 137. 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show is on the air here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Gary Harris, Justin Jones with you on this Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. Happy Valentine's Day. Hope you and your significant other have great plans either for tonight or this weekend, or maybe you did it this past weekend. All right. If you're just tuning in, um, it is what it is. I mean, I'm struggling uh, to talk. I had the flu last week. And uh, as is my general nature, I guess, I don't ever seem to take off enough time when I get sick. And um, I try to push through. And um, I'm, you know, not sure that's always the best strategy. But we're... Um, so, you know, pardon me and bear with me on my cough. And hopefully I'm going to um, be able to um, see about it after the show. So, but you're welcome to call in <coughs> at 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904 is the number on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline if you want to join the program. All right, we were talking right before the end of the first hour about Scott Cochran and really all the details that we have um, are that he's no longer on staff at Georgia. That's really it. Uh, The reports there coming out of Athens (coughs) as to why or where he's headed or any of that um, don't really have any details. All we know is that Scott Cochran is no longer on staff at Georgia. And because of his association with the University of Alabama, 13 years, six national championships, there is going to be a lot of <coughs> internet chatter, I think, about... Um, grab that phone, Justin, and we can use a call. And there's going to be a lot of chatter about... Um, his status, possibly, in regards to the University of Alabama. And um, I don't see that happening, but stranger things have happened. And we know in the coaching business, you never say never with, you know, we've had guys that have coached at schools (coughs) multiple times. 
Kevin Steele is a perfect example. Three different stints at Alabama. You know, I used to work in Mississippi, and there's Jim Carmody, who is known as Big Nasty, coached at Southern Miss, Mississippi State, <coughs> and Ole Miss. All three schools, two different occasions. How about that? So with coaches, you never you never say never. All right, let's jump out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in J.D. Good morning, J.D. Hey, y'all. First off, let me say roll tide. Always, yes, sir. You know, it's, it's a blessing to be on this radio station. Um, but I just got a notification, you know, talking about how Scott Cawthorn is no longer with uh, UGA. Um, and I, you know, in my opinion, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, as, as sad that is that he's leaving there, I actually think that's great for us if we can get him possibly um, on the coaching staff. Um, I've told people for years that um, I used to go to Nick State football camp when I was younger, and this guy had intensity about him, you know, with him and Kirby Smart and Nick Saban um, that you, you couldn't match it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I – I would love to see him back, you know, at University of Alabama. Um, but, you know, that, that'd be a, you know, I don't know if that would be a big ass, but uh, to, to try to get him back. But um, I just thought, you know, what would y'all's uh, mindset be like? What would y'all think? Would that be a big pass to get him back? Or, well, uh, uh, J.D., I said earlier, <clears throat> you know, based on the staff makeup here, um I don't know for a fact, pardon me, but my guess is that I don't think he'll be part of this staff. I mean, you've got a new head coach now in Kalen DeBoer. Uh, What would you bring him in for? I mean, you've got a strength and conditioning department here led by David Ballou. Um, Yeah, I, I guess you could say technically maybe he could coach special teams, but usually a special teams coach also coaches a position. And so um, is there some type of support personnel program um, or position that he could fill? Possibly. <clears throat> so I'm not going to say that it won't happen 100% because I don't know, J.D., but as far as an on-the-field staff position, one of those 10 full-time assistant coaches, I don't see it happening for Alabama and, and Scott Cochran. I just don't think it's going to work out that way. And I don't know how familiar that Kalen DeBoer is with Scott Cochran. I mean, you got to remember, regardless of what he did here and how much success he had, that was under an entirely different coaching staff, an entirely different leadership structure. And the current head coach, um, I don't know, you know, if he sees Scott Cochran the same way that Nick Saban did, or, or, you know, some other people here might. So I don't know, but I would doubt that he'll be an on-the-field assistant at the University of Alabama. That's just my, that's just my instinct. Yeah, and I could, you know, I, I see that, you know. I was just thinking, you know, you know, the, just the intensity. I would assume that, you know, the board would see that his, the way that he rolls is, number one, his, his discipline that he has with, with the, the players. That's, I mean, you got to look at his discipline. Number one, um, you know, there. You know, when you go to other schools, I, and I'm not going to say this happens at you know some schools or does or whatever, but I know there's a difference in, in discipline that you know when he was there at Alabama versus at others. Um, when you came on visits, I mean, there there was you know 
there was a uh, like he put with him and Nick Saban and others. He put Alabama on a different level um, than other schools, and he also gave an intensity um, that allowed the players to understand. Hey, when you come to Alabama, it's not just hey I'm coming to play college football. Hey, I'm coming to dominate. I'm coming to win a national championship. And there's no what is. There's no in between. That hey, I'm you know I'm here to to to, to dominate. And I I hope that he could see that and say, man, that'd be awesome. And there's probably somewhere he could put them. You know, you never. I mean, he might. He may not. But I mean, I, I mean, I see what you're saying. But I I would hope that he would at least un- see the. Well, JD, too, you have to you have to take into account. We don't know what Scott Cochran has going. Maybe, maybe this is a move that at Georgia that he made on his own. Maybe he's got something else lined up. Maybe he's going to stay in coaching, or maybe he's going to go into business. You, you, so you don't know, you know, right. what he's got going on. Um, so there's a lot that would have to happen, but yeah, you never, you know, like I said, you never say never in the coaching business. You just don't because it's hard to project and it's hard to, um, look at these situations from the outside looking in and know what they've got going on. So if Scott Cochran, uh, reaches out to the university of Alabama and says, Hey, I would be interested in returning. Do I think Kalen DeBoer would talk to him? Yeah. I'm sure that he would. So maybe that's something that uh, will happen. Uh, only time will tell. But you know, there still would be a have you know have to be a lot that would come together before he would be back on staff. I think at the University of Alabama. Yes, sir. Well, that that's very true, sir. And I and I hope you know again, time will tell, and you know we'll have to see. But I, you know, we got we got to wait and see how this uh, season holds up, and I. You know, we got to have faith, you know, like we always do. And that's, you know, the awesomeness of Alabama football. So You're right, J.D. It's the best program in the history of college football. <clears throat> There's a changing of the guard, but you have a you make a great point. If you're a fan, you got to put your trust and faith in Kalen DeBoer that he's going to be able to keep it going because that's really all you can do. You don't have any <clears throat> control over it outside of that. So uh, I think the guy will do a good job, and and uh, you know we'll follow him, and and uh, hopefully Alabama will stay right there at that top rung. Hey, thank you, JD. Good to hear from you. Let's keep it going, and uh, we'll jump back out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Tom. Hey, Tom. Jay, uh, Scott. Coxon. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody needs to play for Scott. That, that's just all there is to it. He's uh, he's been going through some tough times the last couple of years. Uh, it got to the point where Coach Saban couldn't reach him, and then Kirby. I think it was a mutual thing between the two. And then uh, Kirby tried to bring him in, and uh, as a good friend of his and all like that. But Scott needs prayers. More than he needs a job. I just take my word for it. And, uh, but I, I want to talk to you. You and uh, uh, Matt was talking about the Daytona 500 and how many people had been racing for a long time and not been able to, to win the 500. You remember that conversation y'all yeah, had? Yeah, very well. Do you remember <laughs> how much money Richard Childress paid Larry Matt? to leave Robert Yates racing and to become a crew chief with one goal 
of uh, that, that he wanted Larry Mack to have. He said, Larry Mack, you got one job, and I want Dale Earnhardt Sr. to win the Daytona 500. You remember that? I do. I do. And, and I tell you what, after that happened, and, and uh, 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 Larry Mack delivered his end of it, and uh, Richard Childress gave him the money. It wasn't long after that you saw Larry Mack on TV. <laughs> That's right. Well, when you look at at uh, best drivers, Tom, <clears throat> that haven't won the Daytona 500, um, I think you got to start with Rusty Wallace. Oh, yeah. 23 Daytona 500 starts. Best finish was third. I think the other one would be Tony Stewart. Uh, he never won it. Martin Truex Jr. has never won it. Kyle Busch has never won it. So you're talking about, and we touched on it with Matt, but now I'm going in depth with with it on it with you. These are guys that uh, are, you know, top drivers. And, you know, you've got Busch and Truex Jr. still running. <coughs> Brad Keselowski has never won it. And has been close a bunch of times. So, Kyle Larson, you know, he's now ran 10 Daytona 500s. So, it's kind of an outlier in that it's the race that everybody wants to win. But, um, and I picked Chase Elliott. He's never won it. So, the more I go through this list, the more you've got some really top guys Series champions, Bush and Keselowski and Truex and Elliott that have never won this race. That says about that race, it ain't easy. It is, it, and it is not. kind of a, it is kind of a, you know, it's the first race of the year. It's a right. super speedway. And I'm not going to say it can be flukish. But we we rattled off <coughs> some of the guys that have have never won it. What about some guys that that have won it? That you know we never really thought of as top drivers. And I'm going. I've got a list pulled up here. Derek Cope won it in 1990. Michael Waltrip, who was better known. As being Daryl's little brother and is a terrific broadcaster, but he was not a top driver. And he was 0 for 462 when he won the Daytona 500 in 2001. That was his first career victory in 15 years as a driver. Trevor Bain won it, remember, back in 2011. So you have these great drivers just three years ago, Michael McDowell. So you have these great drivers that have never won it, and then you have a lot of guys that are not even considered to be in those guys' class who have won the Daytona 500. Heck, just last year, Ricky Stenhouse and, Jr. You know, Richard, Richard Childress's grandson won it, and he can't drive a mule to water. Yeah, Austin and, Dillon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, he's done nothing. I don't guess he's won any. Well, maybe he's won one since then, but uh, I don't think so. But uh, 
But here's the thing. You said it. It is so flukish. You, you, it's so many things at, uh, at Daytona that's got to go right for you to win it. You know what I'm saying? I do. I mean, things that just, even, even if you don't have a chance and you find yourself out front with two laps to go, you think about it, it's been some kind of flukish crap that happened that got you there. Yeah. And uh, it's the wildest thing. And to me, it makes the greatest, and like you've always said, you know, they start out with the Super Bowl first race. And, um, and, and that, that's crazy in itself. And I think, I'm going to ask you this. <clears throat> to me, one of Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s problem was he wanted to win it so freaking bad. And he put, even for him, he put so much pressure on himself to win it. And then when he did, he was up there going, you know, I know I'm the best driver out here. Why can't I win it? Then the pressure would increase and make him nervous. And, and then those fives would go down to the tires and the tire would blow out with one lap to go or something. Get it? You believe that? Yeah, I think you can, you can want it too bad. But, of course, you finally got it. And, yeah. Uh, you know, but, but that, Larry Max the one that delivered yeah, that. But the list that we, we rattled off of drivers that haven't won it and drivers that have shows you that it is, it's a special race, but winning that race doesn't make you a great driver. And not winning that race doesn't mean you're not a great driver. So, but it is one that if you're a top driver, you want to win. And, uh, but don't be surprised if we look up Sunday afternoon and there's another long shot. In- to allow sports betting in Alabama, contact your legislator today by visiting sportsbettingalliance.org. Paid for by Sports Betting Alliance. Sportsbettingalliance.org. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time. Save lives. The event will feature a non-competitive three-mile walk and a survivor's pathway. To register and to get more details, log on to TuscaloosaHeartWalk.org. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available as they talk Tide basketball. Don't miss the Crimson Tide Basketball Pre-Game Show brought to you by Pritchett Moore Insurance. Tuscaloosa's best choice for business and personal insurance for 90 years. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays dry today with a sunny sky, the high 64. Clear tonight, the low 39. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high at 67. Friday, increasingly cloudy. We'll have a chance of rain by Friday night, the high at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. For more from Tide 100.9, let's it fly and burns it. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud. Ten twenty-two tomorrow. Bama baseball coach Rob Vaughn <coughs> is going to join us to discuss the Crimson Tide season, which begins this weekend. So we're looking forward to that. And that's tomorrow at 9.30. And then on Friday, 
We hope to have uh, Alabama Gymnastics coach Ashley Johnston. We're also working to get Christy Curry on, Ben Women's basketball coach. Yesterday, we had Patrick Murphy, the highly successful and um, very accomplished head coach of Alabama softball, <coughs> Hall of Famer. And uh, he was on with us to talk about this past weekend's opening season tournament, the Buzz Classic, where Alabama went 5-0, and and then also looking ahead to the Easton Bama Bash coming up beginning tomorrow, or becoming on Friday, I should say, here in Tuscaloosa. We're going to run a little bit of Patrick Murphy from you from yesterday with me talking about softball right now on the Gary Harris Show. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Yay, Alabama brings us back in because we're about to talk to the head coach of the Crimson Tide softball team. Patrick Murphy is with us for his first (coughs) visit of the 2024 season. And boy, what a way to start the season this past weekend over at the Buzz Classic in Atlanta. Good morning, coach. How are you? Gary, good morning. How are you? Well, I've been battling the flu, and I tell you, I've got that uh, post-viral cough now, and I just cannot shake it. But, uh, Lord, it's going around. Got to play play hurt, though. You know that, being an athlete. Um, What a start to the season. You go to the Buzz Classic in Atlanta. um, Good field, including Georgia Tech, we know is a really, really, really good team. And you go 5-0. and oh. um, Offensively, you got the clutch hits. Defensively, you were phenomenal. Uh, Pitching-wise, I mean, I don't know what to say about Beaver. She makes her debut and, and throws the program's 46th no-hitter for you on, on Thursday. So a really productive weekend for the team. I know. It was, it was so much fun because we were, you know, we started like January 8th. So we came back before school started. And I think everybody, including me, was sick and tired of seeing the same people in scrimmages. So we went over on Thursday and it's an easy trip to Atlanta. And we played Villanova that night. And uh, about the fourth inning, I leaned over and I said to Lance McMahon, our pitching coach, I said, I don't think I've seen this beaver in practice. <laughs> so he kind of smiled at me and I was like, she might have been holding back just a tad. Okay. And I mean, she went out guns blazing. I mean, it was awesome to watch, hit her spots. Uh, you know, they didn't have a gun, uh, radar gun, but I would say 68 to 70, 71 wow. uh, the whole night. Um, I love her fiery attitude on the mound. She gets excited, uh, you know, just a great kid and we're really really lucky that we we got her for a year and i wish we had her for four but um what a good addition and she's just been kind of been the um rock of the bullpen so far so for us to start and honestly gary i thought we were going to do like three innings two innings two innings and she just kept throwing up zeros and getting ahead of batters and her pitch count wasn't very high and um, we scored single runs, I think, in three innings. And so I kept, you know, saying to the staff, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? And she just kept throwing bullets. And um, so we just, we stopped with her. So it was a great start and um, had some really clutch hits from, from a lot of people, like you said. Uh, one of the biggest surprises was uh, freshman Lauren Johnson, who, um, you know, Christian White has a little bit of an injury that she's overcoming and getting better at. But um, Lojo got thrown into center field and, I mean, took advantage of every opportunity. 
I'm sure you saw it already, but she's the SEC Freshman of the Week. One, I mean, no fear, no doubts, not too many stops in the top drawer. I mean, nothing, just a gamer and came up with several big hits, had a big, big catch in center field in one game. Um, I mean, I was really impressed with her. Yeah, so Alabama softball PMF post Montana Fouts. <laughs> what a what a weekend. And um defensively, and I know that, you know, when when Allie decided to retire, um, you go bring Kayla Bro in and she was one of the best outfielders in the history of the program and the outfield play, I know it was just one tournament, but it was highlight reel after highlight reel catch, and we'll get to the triple play that wasn't in a moment, but your defensive play in the outfield all five games was phenomenal. Yeah, and you know, the at the beginning of the season, probably week two of practice, I can remember we were getting around, everybody was in a circle before practice started, and I said, look, um, you guys, you guys know when I'm genuine and I'm telling you the truth because I'm standing right here in front of you. So I'm not going to fake anybody out, but this is the most athletic team we've ever had. And I said it about five times and all around the field. You know, the two catchers are hellacious athletes. They can play anywhere. Um, you know, we have people that could play seven, six, six positions easy. And, you know, as the tournament went along, that just kept getting... Uh, highlighted again and again and again and you know not only you know we had we played five games only had one error and originally georgia tech had given a hit a hit on that play and uh it was a tough play that kenley Cahalen came in charged the slow roller across the middle of the infield and just kind of like didn't get a good grip on it and um that was the only error of the weekend she made a hell of a play at shortstop callie hevlin played great defense uh, second base, both catchers. We threw out two out of three base runners. Uh, and then obviously the outfield. Um, Jenna Johnson had a great catch against the wall. Lauren Johnson had a diving catch, all out superwoman. And then obviously Larissa Pruitt to end the tournament was unbelievable. And, you know, when we, uh, when Allie decided to retire and head back to Crowley, Louisiana, you know, Bro was working in TV, doing radio stuff. SEC Network, ESPN, uh, Seattle Mariners, pregame, postgame. Mm-hmm. I don't think people knew that, but she was she broke into Major League Baseball, which is very difficult for a, a young lady. And, um, you know, I called her like August 17th, the day Allie told me, and I said, hey, I'm not going to take no for an answer. So we don't start practice till September 25th, so you have a long time to think it over. But um, that's when practice starts, so we'll expect you to be here. And they moved into town on the 23rd of September. So, great addition. Her husband, David, got a job. Um, daughter, Dil- Dylan, is like the queen of the clubhouse. Uh, knows every player's name. She's two years old and, and already smarter than me. Just uh, It's just been a lot of fun to have all of them back in Tuscaloosa. All right, great stuff from yesterday. That was a little bit. We did about a 20-minute conversation, but that's about five or six minutes of Patrick Murphy from yesterday. All right, we're going to get to the break. And um, before we do, I want to remind you, T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery and University Mall, one store, one shop for all your great men. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com, code 300 for an extra $5 off a Lumi starter pack. L-U-M-E deodorant.com, code 300. 
covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1034, it's time for Bart Heights on Hoops. Our weekly segment that uh, we've got a lot of positive reviews on because SEC basketball is lit this season. We saw some more examples of that last night. Good morning, Bart. It's lit, huh, Gary? It is. It really is. <laughs> I, I mean, that. it's 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 a deep league, and now what we saw in Nashville, yeah, I still think is an outlier, but at the same time, it is an example. And and this is you know this has been Buzz Williams basketball at Texas A and M. I hate to say it, but this is this is who they've been. They'll win some games where you think, man, they're as good as anybody in the country. I mean, what they did to Tennessee on Saturday. I mean, they dismantled them. And then they go into Nashville last night against a team that's got one conference win, and that was over winless Missouri, and they get beat. Granted, it was a buzzer beater, but all that good work you just did on Saturday, you undo it last night ahead of your trip to Alabama this weekend. Um, make it make sense. I think in some cases um, you might look ahead. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I mean, I I think I might have with y'all on our, on our show all week or at the end of the week last week. I thought A&M's going to beat Tennessee. I said it's just it's just obscene a million times. And then and I said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Vandy game's close. It's when the game was that I think really hurt A&M, too. Because you're sitting here thinking, all right, man, we got these two huge games bookend with Vandy in the middle to go to Nashville. And nobody's expecting. But it's, that's why I was so worried. I told you about the Mississippi State-Missouri game. Mm-hmm. Um, because, man, they're going to beat somebody home. They're going to get somebody. You just hope it's not you. Where A&M lost the game was when they went up three or four there with two minutes to go. And then they gave up the M1. They gave up a They just – they not – they're not guarding like buzz teams have, and they're probably a big away. Um, they don't protect the rim like a lot of these teams have and, uh, for buzz. But that is the ultimate two steps forward. Like when you when you when you win a game like State went one, or a game like Florida won last night, uh, State Missouri and Florida last night. That's that's a step forward, right? Last night or, or this weekend was two steps forward for A&M, getting that win at home. But this is three steps back. So it puts you back where you were, maybe a little bit further. And, yeah, that devastating, especially going to Tuscaloosa. A&M always plays well, typically in Tuscaloosa. I do not see that this weekend. Yeah, you're right, though. That's that's the one good bit of news for them, and I'm with you. I don't think they're going to win. But when you look at Nate Oates at Alabama – Buzz and A&M have been his kryptonite. Nobody's had more success against Oates and yeah. Alabama than A&M. Bark, that's a fact. And it's, it's, it's scheme. It's the same thing I talk about why Nate Oates has dominated Chris Jans in Mississippi State, especially the last couple of years. It's style. It's just a bad matchup, Buzz. His style matches up well against Alabama. That 2-2-1, slow down, try to keep everything, including shooters at front, in front, and then back into zone, which cuts the Alabama penetration down. What people don't realize a lot is, oh, you can't zone Alabama, they shoot too well. Well, that's not necessarily the truth, man. I mean, I'm a big believer in zoning teams, mixing up different zone look defenses two, three, four different times in five possessions. 
I think that's what you're going to see Buzz do this weekend. And it has given Alabama problems, but here's the deal. Mark Sears is a different guy, man, and he's a different guy when it comes to IQ. Nothing against the point guards Alabama's had, but this guy can break a defense down, back it out, figure out where the ball needs to go, get them into a play call. Oates doesn't have to call anything. That's the difference in Mark Sears. I think think it could get really ugly this weekend in Tuscaloosa. Right now, 11 games in, do you think Alabama, obviously they're tied with South Carolina, do you think Alabama's the favorite to win the SEC? I'll let you know tomorrow. Okay. After after what happens at Neville tonight. Because if South Carolina goes and shocks the world tonight, I may go ahead and predict them to win it, Gary. I mean, what else you want them to do? <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they pick 14th. I, I, you know, I just, Alabama ain't losing more than four games. Okay. They're not. Um, I, I just, I don't see that happening. But. This South Carolina team, uh, they just keep winning. Yeah. I expect them to lose five. I expect them to lose six. I still think, it, you know, e- even with the um, – it, it, it's going to be Auburn and Alabama to me with Tennessee sneaking, South Carolina hanging around. Um, the only thing that Alabama – if Alabama were to somehow have the injury bug hit, like like like, a, like, a, like anyone, that's really the only thing I see, see – I see – it keeps Alabama from being, yeah, I mean, probably winning the league or going in as the number one seed right now just because of what you've done at home. Um, but there's still four, five, six, seven games to play. Alabama's schedule gets a little bit tougher, but there are games that Alabama's going to win at home, um, not should win, but going to win at home, that I think um, is going to, you got to say probably favorite, yes. I'm not ready to crown them just yet, though. Let's wait till after this weekend and see how things shake out. Bart Eich on hoops. Uh, let's get back to last night. And, and Florida had the huge win over Auburn, really. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about dominated. Florida dominated Auburn. And, I mean, again, Auburn was coming off the Alabama game. Like you said, schedule fit when you play. So important in this league. I get that. And then last night, they're cruising, and the next thing you know, you look up and, and really fortunate to win the game. I mean, LSU could have certainly pushed over, you know, forced overtime if not won that game late. But Florida survived and keeps their momentum going. Um, huge win for them last night because much like we're talking about with A&M, if you, if you lose last night at home, you ca- almost kind of undo the win that you had over Auburn. But they survived. I love this Florida team, Gary. You know, when we first talked, I had stated um, that I felt like that, that they were a team that, that you were going to see at the end of the year be relevant. And I think it was kind of – I think it might have been after they just hammered Florida State um, in that challenge. And then they looked good against Florida. They looked good against Baylor, didn't win, uh, got that win against Pitt early. But in season – in in this conference season, they – they have had the biggest tournament. They're the Mississippi State of last year. The schedule kind of opened up, but they've taken care of business at home. The one thing that concerns me about Florida, though, Gary, that is they're, they're, con- they're continuously losing these leads. That kind of concerns me a little bit. At the same time, they're able to hold on and win at the end. Really good free-throw shooting team. If you look at what they're doing on the inside, um, the guy that nobody's talked about is is Han- Hanlogton, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, but I, I really, really like him. And I love what Condon's done, the kid from Australia, all rugby football. Um, similar to Clemson, Gary, their interior is similar to Clemson. 
And then you, you, you talk about adding Samuel, who is <laughs> reminds me of Patrick Young, not as probably not as skilled yet, um, but they're long. They're big. They can protect the rim. And then he's only going seven or eight deep. Clayton can make shots. We've seen Pullen get hot. Clayton played really good last night, transfer from Iona. Will Richard, we were talking to Ron Slay this morning on our show, and R- Will Richard is the X factor for this team. When you see him get up around 16, 17, that's where he, they're going to have to have him do that against the really good teams. You're going to be an LSU at home. Um, you, Auburn just wasn't winning down there. It's just one of those places that they just, they typically just do not win. So I'm anxious to see, uh, I'm anxious to see this Florida team. They could end up sneaking in around a, somewhere from a seven to nine seed and be very, very dangerous. Todd Golden's got his going. Uh, Todd Golden's got his got his team going. I expect them to do big things in the SEC tournament. Do you take anything away from Kentucky last night holding Ole Miss to sixty three, um, or do you just say, well, they were at home, Ole Miss doesn't match up well on the road against Kentucky, uh, they should have won the game, or do you did you see anything that gives you some hope that maybe Kentucky defensively is figuring it out? Kentucky. This Kentucky team would be very frustrating if I was a fan. They didn't impress me at all last night. I kind of um, feel the same way, yeah. Uh, they, they just, they're stale. That's a good word for what, what's going on with Cal. It's just stale. Um, you have to – they didn't struggle, but, I mean, they – early in that game, the energy level – I mean, it, it's been doing – it's been going like this for a while, though. I mean, no offense. I'm not trying to get on older folks and stuff. Unlike, but, man, a lot of those season ticket holders have had those season tickets for 40, 50 years. The excitement in Rupp. We talked to Buzz Baker about it. And, like, I, I, I've kind of brought it up. He doesn't agree. But I think Kentucky's lost the luster. I don't think Rupp is what it was. I don't think it's as dominant. Number one, their style of play. They don't press like Patino did. Kentucky fans loved that. But defensively, these young kids are not ready, man. And I think it's because a lot of the teams in the league that you're seeing, they had experienced guards. Experienced guards can get to their spot. They know how to set young guys up. These young guys just haven't guarded enough folks. And the bigs on the interior, they're supposed to be shot blockers. They don't understand verticality yet. I don't see it from this Kentucky team. I think they can get in the tournament um, and maybe win a game, maybe two. But I, I, I just – I don't see the consistency. Now, they do need to get Wagner back. They do need to get Mitchell back. Wagner's a huge deal for them because he can guard the perimeter as a freshman, and Mitchell's got experience that I think can help as well from West Virginia. But I, I just right now, they've got to get healthy and get it back click, clicking and get that Kentucky moxie, if you will, that big blue nation moxie that I just don't see right now, especially on the defensive end. All right, tonight, you've already alluded to it, but for Auburn and South Carolina – uh, this is a huge game, and I think on the you know first glance, you just say Auburn at Neville Arena coming off a loss. Um, they're going to win the game. I mean, that's just the casual, you know, casuals look at it and just say, you know, Auburn's going to win. But this is South Carolina, and they, as you said, there's something about this team, a toughness, a grit, a determination that I kind of got the feeling earlier, you're like, not so fast. Uh, this is no gimme for Auburn tonight. I mean, it's not a gimme. Uh, I expect Auburn to win tonight, though. I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm just, Gary, I'm not, I'm not ready to crown anybody in the nation, including UConn, go into Auburn and win. <laughs> I'm just not ready. Right. 
I mean, I look at that number and it's 11 and a half, and I'm like, man, that ain't nearly enough. Um, but South Carolina continues to defy. I like Auburn tonight because they ain't sneaking up on Bruce Pearl's team, and Bruce Pearl's team got embarrassed. Yeah, over I'm with you. Weekend. I'm with you. Since it's a danger time. Now, I think it can stay together early. Now, I do not want to see this game turn into what Alabama did. You know, 85 free throws. We don't like games like that. No, I think this no, game please. Will be, yes, this game will be physical. Here's the biggest key. South Carolina is deep as well, but they're not as deep at Auburn, especially on the road. I think Auburn's really going to attack the freshman that I love. Colin Murray Bulls. He's becoming the leader in the clubhouse for freshman of the year. I've been singing his praises since January the 27th game he had, or actually before that since he was so good against Mississippi State early in the year. They've gotten him back. I, th- I think he's a huge dynamic defensively. I think you'll see Auburn go small, attack him because they play him at the four a lot. He can guard three positions, and that's been huge for South Carolina, especially on the roads because you can put him on a guard, you can, a big guard. You can put him – he's just a – he can switch ball screens. He's a different defender out there. If he's out of the game, you've got to have you got to have Mack at the four, who has a hard time guarding ball screens. And I, I just feel like they're going to attack Murray Bulls. Keep an eye on him and how he plays tonight. Offensive rebound will be a huge key for both teams and free throw makes. South Carolina is as good as anybody uh, at home on the offensive glass. They will dominate you. They will take your will. Auburn's going to be hungry and mad tonight. Um, this will be a rebounding ring type game. If there's not a lot of shot making going on, you'll see guys battling an offensive rebound and second chance points. And as always, turnovers on the road will be a huge key tonight at Neville Arena. Yeah, I'm with you 100. percent I think that uh, and as good as South Carolina has been, we saw them in the second half at Coleman Coliseum get blown out. So yeah. I, I I wouldn't be shocked. I'm with you. I wouldn't be shocked if Auburn winds up winning this by 20 tonight. And it's not a reflection on South Carolina, like you said. It's just the spot. It's a bad spot for South Carolina. All right, Tennessee. Uh, um, Rick Barnes visibly upset, obviously, at what happened at A&M. Upset with the officiating, upset with Buzz running out there on, on the floor, upset with the way his team played. Um, you would say that this is a spot, you know, that Tennessee, uh, you know, you don't want to face Tennessee. But I'm telling you, Arkansas has enough talent um, at home to make this thing interesting, I think. I want to. They <laughs> got Debo back. That helps. Uh, Field, I like, I actually like them in the game together, the two lefties, kind of like Alabama. Um, but man, I'm just, uh, I don't see it. I, I just, I, again, it's one of those spots, even though it's on the road, Arkansas can't shoot the basketball. I, that's what it's been to me. They don't have shot makers, man. They don't, I mean, they don't have guys. I mean, it, it doesn't look like it's going in a lot of times when their guys shoot it. They'll have to make 10, 11 threes. Now, those are going to have to come off turnovers. If Tennessee don't turn the ball over tonight, and Arkansas's also been vulnerable in the glass, I think Tennessee could dominate this game. I think this game could be like a, a 72 to 56. That's what you saw. I, whoever it was, you just went up there and beat them. Maybe it was Kentucky. Somebody like that. I think. I think Tennessee. Well, I, I just. I like this Tennessee team. I'm still not ready to say they're not the best team in the league. But when you prove you're the best team on the league, it ain't at home. It's going on the road. Or when you prove that you're one of those teams that's supposed to be there, you go do what Mississippi State did at Arkansas. You go. And I'm not putting them in that category yet with all these teams. But you go do what Alabama did at LSU. You know, you do. You win those games on the road that are statement wins. You don't do what A&M did last night in Nashville. 
Um, so I just I, I like this Tennessee team, man. Um, and I just I don't know if I'm I don't disagree with you that it could happen, but I'm going to be have have to be shown before I go on record and and be positive. And we had Pat Bradley on the on on as well, and he was talking about he just he said it can always get going at Budwald. It takes one turnover, one dunk, and one three, one run. He said you're always one run away from Budwald. And to your point, you you could see it this weekend because they have not had that moment in the SEC, including against A and M when they pulled out that win. Um, but I do like Tennessee this weekend, man. I just think they're too physical, too powerful. I think they're too experienced. Back to Alabama before we close it out, and you know, watching this team at at times, they just you know they just look unstoppable and then at other times you you see you know they can bog down miss shots and and defensively that you still just worry as you and I've discussed the entire season when they play big physical you know strong teams but um for Alabama and we talked about the ability to you know win the league which I think would be phenomenal if 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 Oates is able to do that after what he lost after last year's team but getting Pringle back and having him play like he did 17 and 5 versus the Pringle who doesn't show up sometimes is how important is he with their lack of size and physicality inside he's a 6-9 jumping jack uh, that can be explosive around the rim is Pringle a key for this team because he gives them something maybe they don't have inside when he wants to play when he's motivated to get it done or am I overplaying his his importance to this team Alabama does not go it's a, it is so dead on so astute. Alabama does not go as deep as a lot of Alabama fans. A lot of everybody, everybody that really understands knows Grant Nelson cannot carry you through a tournament for four games and get you to the final four playing defense, Gary. Just what he's done all, what he has done already <laughs> in some of these games. I mean, home, but the, the, the one in particular, me, Starkville. I mean, he just, or, I mean, both of them just flat out guarded Tolu with no Pringle in sight. Foul trouble in Starville, no Pringle in the, in the game uh, was suspended, I think, in Starville, or in uh, Tuscaloosa. So, absolutely, man. And he's undersized. I mean, he, he still, you know, does it, bring, but it's kind of what you have to do. Alabama's going to play small. It's uh, Here's the, the, the guy that's the key to me that nobody talks about is right sale. I mean, this kid is going on the road and making seven threes, made five in Starkville, guards three positions, yeah. doesn't turn the basketball over, gets five <laughs> rebounds. And he is the whole key. Nobody talks about he can guard the fourth position, and that's a huge deal when Grant Nelson is out of the game resting and Pringle's in, and you can go for it. People can't guard those four shooters. So, yes, Pringle is a key. There will be games to where you're going to have to go big, like against Clemson. Right, like against uh, Florida, against those teams. If you're getting dominated in the out, and you're away from your arena, not making shots. Alabama's gonna make shots at home, Gary. But Pringle giving you 15 and seven makes this team Final Four good. Absolutely. Great stuff as always, folks. Follow Bart on on X at B Heights 22. Catch him on Press Box Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Watch for him on TV doing high school and college games, and every Wednesday here on the Gary Harris Show. Thank you, Bart. Thanks, man. See you next week. All right, 10.53. We'll be back to wrap it up after this. Coming up next on the Stingray Show.
This Friday marks the start of the college baseball season and coming up on the Wednesday evening edition of the Stingray Show, we are going to be talking with a Golden Spikes Award winner from LSU who went on to be a first-round pick for the Baltimore Orioles and the Milwaukee Brewers. Ben McDonald from the SEC Network will join us to talk all things college baseball on the Wednesday evening edition of the If you want to pay more, that's your business. If you want to save, that's our business. Tuscaloosa Hyundai, corner of Skyland and Hargrove, TuscaloosaHyundai.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays dry today with a sunny sky, the high 64. Clear tonight, the low 39. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high at 67. Friday, increasingly cloudy. We'll have a chance of rain by Friday night, the high at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Eli Gold, Chris Stewart, and Roger Hoover live right here. Tide 100.9 is a proud partner of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Well, we battled through it, Justin. Thank you for your help. This hour of the Gary Harris Show has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients' integrity and excellence of the driving force behind the firm and its staff. Clients and prospective clients are treated with respect and care. That's important. If you are... In a legal situation that's a result of a personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, or 18-wheeler accident, our business is to take care of your needs. Call Paul Patterson in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000 or Mike Comer in Northport at 205-759-3939. And remember, the commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And we want to thank Matt Coulter and Bart Heitz for joining us. That's going to do it for the show. T-Town Sports Daily is coming up next at 11 a.m. And I'm hopefully back with you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. on the Gary Harris Show. Have a great day, everybody.